Upper Room Discourse, where we dissect the meaning of Christian music and the history of Scripture. I'm Felipe Marin. And I'm Dakota Childress. What will we discuss this week? Keep listening to find out. Hello and uh, welcome to the Upper Room Discourse. My name is Felipe Marin. And I'm Dakota Childress. And uh, very excited for uh, our episode this week. Uh, We're jumping right back into our solos. Uh, Did a little bit of a break last week. Had a special guest on. Yes, we had Cameron Brooks. Go check out that episode. And we talked about Martin Luther. Yep. Uh, But now as we're jumping back in uh, to this week, we're going to be looking at Sola Scriptura. Yes, by scripture alone are we justified. Yes. Uh, and again, uh, this series that we've been doing is the five solas. Uh, essentially, these are the kind of five core beliefs of Protestant Christianity that surround the doctrine of justification. Yep. And after this week, we'll have just one left. So True. see if you guys can guess in that comment section what that is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so as you've said already, it means scripture alone. Uh, is basically justification is according to Scripture alone, and Scripture is the only authority concerning our salvation. Right. And we'll be talking about what Scripture is, mm-hmm. where it comes from, um, and we'll be looking at some Scripture through song with... Yes. Uh, with a blessing today. Blessing. Uh, so I'm going to read our verse. Uh, we've read it every week. Uh, I, we're probably going to read it again next week. Uh, but Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And uh, again, I mean, there's not like a direct tie-in to where it says by Scripture, but it it is Scripture. And that's what I'm trying to bring out here is the authority for that. The reason that's true is because it is Scripture. It comes straight from God. Um, Paul mentions that the gospel he has is from God. Mm Mm-hmm and not from any other man, so that we know where the authority comes from. Yeah. Uh, so, as we've already mentioned today, we're going to be looking at The Blessing. A uh, very popular song a couple years ago during the pandemic. Yeah, I think it still is, honestly. Yeah, it's still up there. Uh, so, it, it was written by Carrie Job, Cody Carnes, Stephen Furtick, Chris Brown. And it was written on February 27th, 2020. And uh, I, don't ask me why I know that date. I just know the date that they wrote the song. Is that something you already knew or you looked it up? No, it was just part of the thing. Uh, it was first played the following Sunday on March 1st, 2020. That's how we get the date. We know when it was written. Gotcha, gotcha. They played it the following Sunday for their service. And uh, they actually recorded that service, and that's where the music video comes from. It's directly from their service. Hmm. And that released on March 6th of 2020. Yeah, three, a little over three years ago. Yes. That'd uh, be around, like, Easter, around Easter. No, it was right, uh, Easter was in April, April. that year, I think. Uh, so. This was right before the quarantine yeah. is when the song came out, like, maybe, like, two weeks before the quarantine happened. Yeah, but that would also be about a month before Easter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, and I'm going to, obviously, I'm going to, uh, as you've been seeing in the YouTube videos, I add the like a video in the subscription in the I can't even talk to that I can't even think of what it's called uh, the description of the YouTube video. Uh, what you'll see there is I'll have a link usually of the song, so I'm gonna have their music video there linked if you guys want to go take a look at it. Uh, that video shows my frustrations with contemporary Christian music. Which, yeah. By the way, it's a 12 minute video. Yeah, and leave your thoughts on it as well. Like yeah. not on the not on their video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you can leave your thoughts on their video, but like go watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, go listen to it and then come back to our video and leave your thoughts on yeah on the song. Uh, now the live audio recording. Uh, so this is just the audio recording of that live version, basically. Uh, that released on March twentieth of twenty twenty, uh, and it's about eight and a half minutes long. Yeah, I think that's the most of us will be familiar with the four minute version mm-hmm. because that's what radio plays. Yeah, that's what the radio plays uh, just to keep us sane. Yeah, but yeah, it's like eight to ten minutes. <laughs> Very long. long song. Yeah, uh, it was produced by Chris Brown, so he'd handle the production of the audio recording, basically. Right. Uh, I will say after that, uh, it appeared again later on May first of twenty twenty, 
on Elevation Worship's eighth live album, Graves into Gardens. Oh yeah, and there's that song "Graves in the Gardens." Yeah, on the that same we album. all yeah, on the same that we all know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and again, I just wrote that it went it went viral during the pandemic, and it was actually the worship recorded song of the year that year at the Dove Awards. Wow. Yeah, well, lots of praise for this song. Very interesting. So let's jump into it. Uh, we're gonna kind of it's very simple. It's just one verse, one chorus, and three bridges. Yeah, you heard me correctly. There's three bridges to this song. I don't know why it was done like that, but that's the way it's... That's how they have it on their website, basically. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at here. And then one chorus with one word. Yes, but the word is repeated multiple times. (laughs) Uh, So, order of lyrics. All right, guys, buckle up. We sing the verse twice. Then we sing the chorus. Then we sing the verse. Then we sing the chorus twice. Then we sing bridge one four times. Then we sing bridge two. Then we sing bridge three. And we say the line, he is for you, he is for you, five times. And then we go back to the chorus. Then we do bridge one, bridge two, bridge three. And then we repeat that again. We do chorus, bridge one, bridge two, bridge three. And that's the song. That's complicated. It's long. But yes, it is complicated. That's complicated. Mm-hmm. Now, I labeled it as a song of benediction. I mean, it's literally the title. It's a blessing. That's what it is. It's a blessing that's being said. Yeah. And our predominant audience is obviously going to be Christians. Because I don't think a non-Christian has any business receiving a blessing like this. Yeah, I mean, the words are, the Lord bless you and keep you. Yeah. You can't sing that to a non-believer. Because it's not true. Exactly. Not true. Uh, So with that out of the way, and I know... We'll, we'll unpack it because I know there's it's very complicated. There's a lot going on with the way they have it ordered. Uh, but we're going to jump straight into our review. We're going to look at musicality. Uh, essentially, how singable is this song? What is the melody like? Uh, things like that. Uh, this is in the key of B. So uh, do you know a lot about the key of B? I don't. I know more about G and C than I do B. So the key of B is not hard, but it is harder than... than for example, the key of G. Okay. So think, because you know, like there's G, A is like higher. Right. A would be capo two. Okay. B is capo four. Yikes. So we're, we're so going, you're singing pretty high. Yeah. Uh, B it tends to not be a very easy key, not a super accessible key. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like a hard, hard key. Like I wouldn't mind the key of B. Right. Uh, and I think a big part of that is that the singers, that's kind of in their range very easily that's probably why they wrote it in b yeah i mean it's carrie job and cody carnes yeah. so that kind of makes sense i mean carrie job is a very high singer mm-hmm. um so for at least a female mm-hmm. of her caliber i would say that's pretty much yeah. the norm is like a key of b yeah uh, so i did write musically i think this song is a little slow you know it's an eight and a half minute song but it almost feels like it's longer than eight and a half minutes like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it feels like it just drags on. Yeah, and we were listening to it earlier. Yeah. But it just, it's, it just you're like, it's not done yet. It's still going. <laughs> right. I was, uh, we were, I don't even think we were halfway through the song, and I was like, are we near the end yet? Yeah, I was like, we're not even halfway. <laughs> I think I probably asked that like two or three times. Yeah. And we weren't even halfway, so. Uh, it, it does pick up. Once we start hitting the bridges is when it starts to pick up. And that's about halfway through the song. That's about five-ish minutes in. And that's when you really get to those first set of bridges and the song really picks up a little bit. Uh, but other than that, I think it's kind of boring, which is fair, I think. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, it honestly makes me think it's more of a seance or a yes. ritual um, rather than an actual song. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you see, it's literally only one verse, three bridges. Yeah. And a chorus with one word, and that word is amen, mm-hmm. or they say amen. Yeah. Um, so first thing it's uh, showing me is that there's already quite a few problems. Like most mm-hmm. most songs we see have like a verse, chorus, a second verse. Mm-hmm. They go back to the same chorus and like a third verse. Yeah. And then... Maybe a bridge. And maybe a bridge. Like more contemporary songs have yeah. a bridge, but not mm-hmm. three bridges. Yeah. It's kind of what I call the pop model. Where it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Yeah. It's kind of like the model for a lot of pop music. You know, this doesn't follow that. It's just a bunch of bridges. 
and they're short bridges, but they're, I mean, that's how they label it on their website is three separate bridges. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with Mm -hmm. what's being said at face value in the bridges. Yeah. Um, But I just feel like the song should flow a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, come together a little bit more instead of repeating so much. Yes. Yes. Or just be shorter. Or like just yeah, don't just repeat shorter. it as much as you do. Right. Uh, there is drums. Uh, the song is mostly keys, and that's mostly in the front half. Once you get to the back half of the song, the drums do start to kick in, and it does pick up a little bit. Right. Uh, I put a three out of five on musicality. You know, it's not a hard song to sing. It's a simple melody. You know, it's pretty easy. Uh, but for me, yeah. just the length of it and just that, honestly, I think it's kind of boring. Yeah, it is. Um I will say, like, one of the good things about it is, though, mm-hmm. um, it is very easy to pick up and sing. Yes, it is. Uh, so it does have that going for it, mm-hmm. um, and it's very recognizable. Yes. You know, as soon as it plays, it's one of those songs where you already know what it is. Mm-hmm. You already know which song it is, so you don't really have to think much about it. Yeah. Um, but it, it does, and I'll let you actually get into this part. Oh, into the poeticness? Yeah, poeticness yeah. and what the words are and everything. Yeah. So with poeticness, we look at flow, we look at grammar. Uh there's a lot of repetition in this song, and it's not good repetition. Right. Uh, let me ask you a question. Why and when should repetition be used? Why and when? Um, I think to emphasize something is why. Uh, something of importance, mm-hmm. not just anything and everything. Uh, when? I'm honestly not sure. Probably um, in the chorus, yeah. not as much in the verse. Well, I would say I would, I'd give kind of the same answer to both. You know, you use repetition when you want to emphasize something. That's when you use it. And that's why you use it is for emphasis. Yeah. You know, I'm like, what are we trying to emphasize here? Right. I mean, I know what we're trying to emphasize and your children and their children and their children and their children. (laughs) Right. And bridge one. You know, or uh, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He goes over and over and over again. You know, I just... For me, I put the repetition feels very close to chanting. Yeah, chanting. That's a good word. That's the word I think of. Uh, let's let's go into the repetition. I've mentioned some of it already. So the chorus, as we've said, it's just one word, amen or amen. They say it six times. It's about 25 seconds long. The whole, like a singular piece of chorus. Like that section. Yeah, that amen six times, it's about 25 seconds long. And the word amen appears 30 times in this song. Goodness. Uh, And your children slash and their children appears 18 times in this song. And here's the big one. He is for you appears 30 times in this song. That phrase. I wrote down, that's like two thirds of the song. It's just those, it's just those phrases that I've brought out. Right. You know, it, for the chorus alone, mm-hmm. it'd be different if, you know, it was something like you see the angels singing, holy, holy, holy yeah. is the Lord God Almighty, mm-hmm. uh, like in Revelations. It'd be it'd be different if it was something like that. Um, and because, you know, you can't speak of God's holiness enough. Mm-hmm. So it'd be completely different if it was something like that. Um, and even then, I think you'd still have to be a, a bit careful yeah. in how you do it. But as far as just like amen or amen, there, there's no reason to spend like 20 seconds of a song. You lose the meaning. Yeah. Like you lose the meaning of why you're saying the amen. Exactly. You know, because li- when you say amen, you're literally being like, let it be done. Yeah, like it should be more emphatic, more, yeah. you know, that's what I believe. Yeah. You know, it's done. The reason it's in this song is that they're like, they say this blessing and then they're like, amen, right. let this blessing be done. Yeah. I see it as like either a period Mm-hmm. Or like an exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. You know, it ends the sentence. Yes. And honestly, like, it, it really could be both at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. it's boom. And then, yeah. you know, you say it with emphasis. You say it loudly mm-hmm. um, with meaning. And, like, what they do when they have it in the song, you know, it sounds good. You know, but I feel like there's just not a lot of meaning there at all. Yeah. Uh, now, there are some cool things that I like. So, obviously, it's not all bad. You know, yes, there's some issues, I think, with the flow in this. Uh, I don't really think there's any grammar issues, not really. Uh, But there's a lot of flow issues. I think there's a lot of cool things in the bridges and the way they're written. 
And I think they're really poetically written, which I like. Like, for example, Bridge 2. May God's presence go before you, behind you, beside you, all around you, and within you. That's very cool descriptive yeah. in the way they describe it. I like that. Yeah, it gives you a sense of just being surrounded by God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in any way you turn, he's going to be there. Yeah. You know, same thing in Bridge 3. You know, in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping, and in your rejoicing, you know, God is with you and he is for you. You know, not only does it describe the location of God, but it also describes the timing and the circumstance of it. Right. And I like that. I think it's a really cool flow. You know, I guess kind of more of a poetic kind of thing in the song. Yeah. Bridge 3 really reminds me of um, uh, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. And yes. then um, I guess I think it's in Psalms. Or he's talking about, um, you know, my rising and my Psalm 139, I yep. believe it is. Which we we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was reading that bridge. Right. Uh, so I give it a two out of five on poeticness, which I think is fair. You know, if anything, it was more of like trying to give it some more points, which I think that bridge really helps give it those points that it needs, at least on like a, like a flow-wise and poetic-wise. Yeah, I think it flows very well um, as far as like... That's kind of contradicting what I said a minute ago. Mm-hmm. But I think individually, Yeah. all right, if you take each bridge on its own, it flows very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do the bridges flow into each other? Not I really. don't think so. Not I really. think that's what loses out. Yeah. So I think if you look at each part individually, uh, they're really good. And I would probably like give it a higher score of three maybe okay. as far as like poeticness. Um, but that'd be like the max. Yeah. So like kind of like in the middle. Yeah. A lot of the losses is just the repetition. Right. Or it's like it's just not good flow. Like, it's just, I don't think it's a good use of repetition and just not a good use of flow. Right. Uh, so this is the big one. We're probably going to sit here for a little while. Uh, evocation, the vibe check. I think this song does accomplish its purpose. People feel blessed. You feel blessed when you hear this song. It's very motivational, you know, and you really get this feeling God is with you and God is for you when you hear this song. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the dangers with it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, it, it goes into a blessing, and verse 1 is pure Scripture. We'll yep. get into this in a little while, mm-hmm. uh, where that's found in Scripture. Uh, but you do, like, I mean, they say, may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations, your mm-hmm. children and their children, you know, and may be with you, yeah. you know, and at every time. So you do get that feeling that, like, they do have your best intention in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we said plenty before, I think it loses out where it's repeated so much yes and then it's like okay just get it over like sing it once yeah you know say it once you don't have to like tell me a hundred times it's the feeling i get yeah you just lose meaning right i will say this is kind of like going more towards uh the critique side of it the way that this song was performed is very charismatic and it very much has that hyper spiritual feel and you really see that in the chorus and in the bridge uh, specifically bridge three where they say he is for you so many times. It's that hyper-spiritual, like, watch the music video, you know, because you'll just see them. They're, like, sitting there jumping up and down, and they're, like, lifting their hands up and all of that, you know. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I don't think that's inherently bad. But you have to understand, this is not a worship song. And a lot of those movements and motions and, uh, what's the word, I guess, maybe attitude or expressions are more so should be tied to a worship song and not a blessing that you're supposed to be receiving. Yeah, and it goes back to something uh, our pastor was saying a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking more about prayer. Yeah. Um, but it includes the way you worship through song as well. And mm-hmm. what he was saying was, you know, don't do it a specific way in church to show out Yeah. if that's not how you do it at home. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, like, on your knees— And like I said, he was using prayer as an example. So if you're not on your knees, like bowing down, Mm -hmm. you know, praying on your hands and knees uh, at home, you know, then don't come to the church and do that and do something similar. And I would say the same thing. If you're not doing that at home, you know, when you're playing Christian music, Mm -hmm. you know, raising your hand, jumping Mm -hmm. up and down, whatever, whatever, then don't bring that here Mm because I don't like personally, I don't want to see you doing that. Yeah. Um, Because one, I'd be like, okay. Are you doing this to show out? Are you doing this to be distracting? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what are we trying to make this song into? Yes, exactly. 
and is it appropriate? And I don't want to I don't want to take away because I don't think there's really an issue with hyper spiritual at all. You know, I think that's honestly almost a proper response in some cases. You know, the Bible right. does tell us to lift our hands. The right. Bible does tell us to dance, to clap, to celebrate. It tells us to do that. Yeah. You know, but it has to be within the right context. We don't just worship in spirit. We also worship in truth. And if you rely too much on the hyper spiritual, sometimes truth, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, falls back almost takes a back seat. Yeah. You know, if you only focus on the spiritual. Right. And, you know, not to dig at anybody who wrote the song, but I think that really, you know, comes to light most Mm -hmm. when you look at who wrote the song and who's buying the song. Carrie Joe, Cody Carnes, and Stephen Furtick, Mm -hmm. um, who we know is very much uh, not a very scriptural pastor. Yeah, more on the charismatic side. More on the charismatic side. And Carrie Job and Cody Carnes are very much known for that um, style of music mm-hmm. that invokes a certain feeling yes. of um, whether that's like repentance, hyper-spirituality, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it is that the blessing is trying to evoke. Yeah. Like a, I want to say gratitude, but I don't know if that's the right word. The, it's the Jesus is my boyfriend yeah. kind of attitude. Yeah, which is dangerous, I think. You know, oh, not always the best way to try to do. I wrote down that if you do the full version of this song, it almost feels like you're trying to manufacture an experience instead of just trying to pronounce a simple blessing. Right. You know, and that's the danger. Uh, I put a three out of five, uh, which to me I think feels fair, kind of right down there in the middle, because there is a lot of good things that come out of it, which I like, and it's biblical and it's good. But there's it's just the length of the song and the way the song was performed for me makes it feel like we're trying to do more here than what we should be doing. Yeah, and I think some of it is taken out of context a little bit too. But mm-hmm. we can get into that more in a minute. Yeah, I mean it's a great segue. Uh, let's we can look at the lyrics now. Uh, basically, how scriptural they are, how much they line up with scripture. Uh, verse one, or I guess verse only verse. <laughs> only verse, yeah. It's straight out of Numbers chapter 6, uh, verses 23 through 27. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you see why we chose this song for today, because we're looking at the book we're of Numbers. At, yep. And we're looking at Scripture as well. I'm going to read it for you. Uh, so I took Numbers six twenty-two through 27. The actual blessing itself is verses 24 through 26. I would have, uh, this is me. I'm going to know how to read what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, or face, upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. That's where the scripture, that's where it comes from. There's a direct reference. Yeah, and it's important to note the mm-hmm. last verse there, um, who this blessing is actually for. Yes. And so they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to, and I'll get into this a little bit more, but when numbers is written, you have to keep that in mind. Yeah. When it's written, who it's written to, and what's going on here when you read mm-hmm. this. Yeah, and notice who is supposed to be saying this. Aaron and his sons, the priests, they're the ones that speak this blessing. Right. And uh, I think tradition holds every time you read in scripture where it says, and Aaron blessed Israel, this is the blessing that he says. Uh, I believe that's what tradition holds. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily uh, bad. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, using a little bit of presupposition. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, pre-assuming something. I don't think that's necessarily wrong to say, though, that yeah. he would have said this every time he blessed Israel. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it, but there's a lot of culture and tradition in this blessing also. which we'll get to that after the review. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, So let's look at basically scripture in the bridges. Uh, I'm not going to look at scripture for amen. I don't think we need to look at scripture for that. (laughs) I don't think so either. (laughs) Uh, Bridge one. Okay. As I was doing my studying, I have found a couple issues with bridge one. So bridge one says, may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Is that supposed to be a scripture reference is my question. 
Because if it is supposed to be a scripture reference, I think it's a misinterpretation of scripture. So the actual phrase thousand generations only appears a couple times in the Bible. And uh, when we're looking at the context here specifically, we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter seven and Exodus chapter 20 verses five through six as like direct references of thousand generations or to the thousandth generation. So let's start with the more familiar one, which is Exodus 20 verses five and six. It says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and to fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands or to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. And the lesser known one, but Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, know therefore that the Lord, your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And I would recommend you guys read all of Deuteronomy chapter seven to kind of get where I'm going with this. What they're asking here is in this blessing, they're pronouncing being may God's favor be upon you in a thousand generations. That phrase is specifically tied to covenant and it's specifically tied to the keeping of God's commandments. And it's basically the idea of keeping his commandments means his favor is on you or his love is upon you for a thousand generations. That's not what the song is saying. So I think if it's supposed to be a scripture reference, it's not right. You know? Yeah. Um, We don't get a blessing as uh, Gentile believers. We don't get a blessing like this. Mm -hmm. Um. So I'd say the the first thing wrong with it is that this is being sung by Gentiles, mm-hmm. so Americans, yeah. to believers around the world. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the first thing wrong with this song, um, because this is this blessing is specifically for Israelites. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and what we have to remember is that. Um, basic hermeneutics. So the way you study the Bible mm-hmm. would say that nothing. And the Bible is written to us as modern believers. Mm-hmm. None of it. Um, now, that doesn't mean we can't find application in it. Um, just like we find application in the fact uh, we talked last week and the week before that we're basically inherited into Abraham's yeah. family and into the covenant by the shed blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be kind of the same sense that, you know, in a spiritual sense, we are uh, grafted into or inherited into the you know the Israelite family. Yeah, and I mean the more I look at it and think about it, you know, first off, you know we're not as Gentiles we're not into the blessings, we're into the, right. promises. the promises. And obviously exactly. there's blessings in the promises, but what we're entitled to is the promises of God, right? Not these blessings that are said, right? You know, and there's a there's a distinct difference. You know, I know there's overlap. Obviously, some blessings are promises. Yeah, this and we, is a specific blessing. Yeah, and we have, uh, and I would honestly say that the promises we're given and the blessings we are giving, like I would say, mm-hmm. you know, inheriting the kingdom of God is a blessing. Yeah. That is infinitely better as a blessing than I would say, you know, God's face shining upon us. Yeah. The Lord turning his face towards us and giving us peace because we already have that peace. That's what I was about to say. It's like the more I think about it, don't we already have this at salvation? Yeah. When we are saved, hasn't God already blessed us? Doesn't he exactly. keep us? He's shown his face towards us. He's been gracious to us. He's given us grace. He's right. given us peace. Infinitely. Like, why do we need to put this blessing that we already have? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it It does serve, and I will say, like, let's back up a second, because mm-hmm. it does serve as a good reminder. Of course, yeah. And that goes into the application side um, but we also have to remember who this is written to. We have mm-hmm. to we have to get that in our minds first and foremost. Who this is written to, not mm-hmm. us. There is application because, like you said, yeah, we are given blessing through salvation, mm-hmm. infinitely, and therefore this can serve as a good reminder that God has turned His favor towards us infinitely, yeah. even though we are still sinners. Absolutely. Uh, bridge two. Okay, I like the way it's written a lot. 
And again, it's drawing straight out of Psalm 139, specifically verses 7 through 12. God is omnipresent. Why do we need to say, may his presence go before you and behind you, when technically it already is? Yeah, it makes it makes me recall uh, the Israelites mm-hmm. coming out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Spirit of God is going before them all the way to the Red Sea yep. and then continues to go before them. Um, and we obviously know that, like, you know, God is omnipresent, mm-hmm. um, but he's more of a leader. Yeah. And where I see that is at the front. Just like he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt is exactly how he's leading us, mm-hmm. and we're following right behind him. Yeah. Uh, I think my way, my issues with it is the way they pose it. They're saying, may his presence, you know, if they want it to be as a reminder, it'd be like his, because his presence does, Yeah, you know. Uh, it's just, for me, it's just kind of weird. For me, I'm just like, why say it? Almost. You know what I mean? Uh, bridge three. There's actually nothing. I don't. I didn't find anything wrong with bridge three. I actually like bridge three. I guess other than the repetition, right? That you say he is for you, like over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, honestly, this would probably be my favorite part mm-hmm. of the song. You know, in the morning, in the evening, and you're mm-hmm. coming and going. You find that so often oh, in yes. scripture. Um, you know, there was one part where it talks about you know saying scripture in the morning, mm-hmm. saying it in the evening. Keeping it on your doorpost as a frontlet between your eyes, on your wrists. Yep. Uh, that's found in the old Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, and then, as we mentioned earlier, Psalm one thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I do bring up two passages: uh, Psalm one twenty one eight. Uh, basically, the Lord will keep your coming and your going from this time forth and forevermore. I think that's the reference. I might be slightly off. We had to recently memorize Psalm one twenty one, so it was like right there. I saw coming yeah, and going. Psalm 121. I'm like, yep. Yeah, I was like, coming and going. I remember yep. that. That's Psalm 121. I think that's like verse 7, 6 or 7. Verse 8? Yeah. Last verse 8, verse. yep. It is. Uh, but I also bring up Romans 8.31, essentially the go-to verse where God is for us. If God is for us, who could be against, against us? Yep. You know, the go-to verse for that. Uh, so that's the lyrics. I give it a 4 out of 5. So I don't give it a bad score because I do think there's a lot of good scripture yeah. and a lot of good things. I just feel like the usage of the scripture sometimes may not be correct yeah the usage repetition mm-hmm. it's like a seance yeah at least they turn it into a seance you could you could make this song mm-hmm. and sing it and it not be a seance or you know a chant mm-hmm. and be so repetitive you can definitely sing it that way uh but the way they've done it is just yeah. i think they botched it yeah and traditionally that's how they do it like it's something that's traditionally done and it's done well and right and it's been done for thousands of years right you know uh, so I give it a score three out of five overall. Three out of five. That's not bad. I think it's a pretty fair score. It's about middle of the road. It's not bad. Yeah, maybe three point five at most. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down this song is not a worship song. I don't think it should go into a worship set. I think that if we're going to use this, it should be used as a benediction, which again is the traditional context of the priestly blessing. And I wrote down in big letters, it should not be eight and a half minutes long. Yeah, especially if you're only going to have three bridges and repeat 98% of the song for seven of those minutes. Yeah. Uh, And now we're going to get into a little bit about really why I think we shouldn't be using this song or singing this song, Uh, which this is, again, this is going to be mostly just opinion here. Right. Uh, I guess part of it is opinion. Part of it is truth. Uh, In the Old Testament, this is a blessing said by a priest over Israel, specifically a priest descended from Aaron, which we've looked at. And there's a lot of Jewish culture and a lot of Jewish history with this blessing. You know, this is what they play at the end of their services now. This is how they, the, how a Jewish person would end their Saturday service, Shabbat. They would end their service by saying this blessing over the congregation. That should make sense. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's a good time to, you know, say a blessing upon people. Mm-hmm. It's right at the end. You know, it makes you just... Uh, sit there and think about you know the service you were just in, yeah, the message you just received, and then I think it also kind of forces you to um, be reminded of you know I need to keep this mm-hmm. you know, at the front of my mind tomorrow, the day after. It's true, it's true. Uh, I wrote down a question to ask: Is how would a Jew respond to this song? If a Jew heard this song, how would they respond to it? 
you know, and I don't have an answer for that. It's just a question I want to pose and a question to think about and kind of ponder upon. Yeah. I'd almost kind of like to interview like, like somebody who is like a messianic Jew, Mm -hmm. let's say, or just somebody who is, you know, full Jewish. Yeah. You know, non-messianic Jewish. There is a difference. Christian Jew Mm -hmm. versus non-Christian Jew. Yeah, obviously. And I'd like to get both of their opinions on it. On how they view this song specifically. That would be pretty cool. Uh, I wrote. I tried to see if I could find like a cool analogy to kind of put this together, like in a way that we would understand. I couldn't think of a good one. Uh, I think. Uh, I think one that I was thinking is if like somebody took the Star Spangled Banner and like rewrote, like like not like rewrote the lines, but took the lines, but redid the music and did a whole big production, and then played it in like Russia or something. No, it'd be more like uh, I'm proud to be an American. Yeah, there you that go. Song. That's that's perfect. And then yeah, they took I'm proud to be an American and sang it in like Russia or like and like tried to make it into like a Russian song. Right. Like I, I think a lot of people would be upset about that, and there would be a lot of mixed feelings. Yeah, or the Star Spangled. I mean, either one of those yeah. songs would work. Yeah, but I yeah, it's it's really hard because we're not Jewish. Yeah, and so we can only give you an outsider's perspective mm-hmm. into what this means we don't have that inside perspective and again the priestly blessing is something that holds a lot of culture and a lot of tradition like there's a lot of significance with it in jewish culture you know it's very big and there's actually a lot of specific rules and stuff Uh, like for example if you look through the mishnah it does talk about that the priestly blessing and there's regulations and stuff like that you know i just want to bring that up so that we're aware of that right so uh I know we've rambled for a while. I didn't think we were going to go so long. I knew it was a lot for this song. There's a lot to go, not going on. There is, but I think we covered a lot of it. I mean, there's yeah. more to cover, but obviously, uh, but we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be looking at uh scripture and we're going to be looking at the book of numbers. Book of numbers. So uh, we'll see you guys in a bit. Oakview Baptist church is located at 810 Oakview road on the corner of Johnson Street and Oakview. Join us for Bible Fellowship every Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 and for service from 10.45 to noon or on Sunday evenings from 6 to 7 for our evening service. If you are college age or a young adult, you can join us for The View on Sunday evening at the same time as the main service. On Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8, we have Word of Life for the youth, Awana and Cubbies for the kids, and an adult Bible study led by our pastor. Check out the links in the description of the YouTube video for past services or more info. So we just finished up looking at The Blessing mm-hmm. by Elevation Worship, Cody Carnes, Carrie Job, and Stephen Furtick. Uh, now we're going to be looking at the book of Numbers. So we're uh, going to end this on a good note. You know, I, I think Numbers might be my favorite of the first five books of the Bible. I don't know. I think it is your favorite. There are so many cool things that happen. Like my favorite, yeah. my favorite Old Testament stories, I feel like, are in the book of Numbers. At least two of them are. And we'll get there. So let yeah. me run through... Uh, I'm going to run through some of them right fast, and then I'll let you know when we get to your favorites. Yeah. Um, don't, don't forget about the bronze serpent. I like oh, that the bronze one serpent. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so breakdown of numbers, uh, chapters one through four, basically census and tribal duties. Uh, chapters five through six, um, basically a test and a vow, the Nazarite vow, and then a test for mm-hmm. adultery. So we're kind of moving through this fast. Um, you get to chapters seven and eight. Uh, that's the tabernacle and the Levites consecrated. Uh, chapter 9, I put this one by itself mm-hmm. um, because I believe it should be by itself. It's the Passover. Yeah, and this is their first celebration of the Passover after Egypt. Um, It probably is, yeah, in the first month. Yep, mm-hmm. it is. Um, So this is their first one. It's revisited. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Numbers and Exodus kind of go hand in hand. A lot of stuff is revisited mm-hmm. and re-mentioned in Numbers from Exodus. Um, and we'll see that as we kind of go along. Passover is one of them. Uh, chapters 10 through 12, um, what's new? Nothing. Uh, the, yeah. And the reason I say yeah. that is because what's going on here? Do you know? 
probably. Is this where they like send the spies out? Uh, or have you not gotten there yet? It's close. That's coming up. But uh, the people are complaining. That's right. They, they so complain a lot. That's why I said what's new. <laughs> um, literally, they complain again and again. Um, and actually, you know, chapters 13 um, through 14, I put as reporting judgment. Mm. Um, so this is where we actually get the spies. Yeah. And then uh, they're judged for coming back and being like, oh, they're too great. We can't mm-hmm. handle it. So they're judged for that, and we get the we get the title drop too, because uh, for those of you that don't know, it's not actually called numbers in Hebrew. It is what is it called? It's called in the wilderness. In the wilderness, yes, which I'm, is where they're going to be for the next thirty nine years, right? Um, and I actually told you that, yeah, <laughs> um, yes, because I remember that from my Old Testament survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, you are correct. It is in the wilderness, not Leviticus or Numbers. But in the wilderness, yeah, I meant numbers, not Leviticus. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so continue in chapter fifteen. Uh, more laws that are revisited. Uh, we see them from Exodus. There are laws for Canaan and what the people are supposed to do once they get there. And now we get to your favorite part of Numbers. What do you think that is? Is it Korah's rebellion? It is Korah's rebellion. Um, I kind of titled this. Um, you know, we talked about like earth shaking movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't an earth-shaking movement. This yes. is a ground-splitting movement. <laughs> for, for those of you that don't know, the ground literally opens up, swallows them up while they're still alive, and it says they go to Sheol, which for those of you that don't know, that's the land of the dead. That's where you go when you die. Yeah, and I would say the best way of thinking about Sheol is it's like Jewish purgatory. I guess. It's, it's like it's like the Jewish equivalent of Christian purgatory. It's the same word as Hades. Yeah. You know, Hades is Greek. Sheol is Hebrew. Same thing. Same place. Yeah. I like to think about it as kind of like a purgatory. Yeah. Because some of them do get brought up. But that's a whole other story. That's, other thing, that's yeah. a whole other thing. So, yeah. Chapter 16 through 17, Korah's Rebellion. Um, and then there's a budding staff. Mm-hmm. And whose staff is this? Aaron's staff. Aaron's. And do you know why this budding staff comes about? I don't remember. I think it had to do something with, uh... oh, I can't even remember now. Yeah, so um, what's happening in Korah's rebellion is uh, Korah and a few other dudes, Mm -hmm. um, they think that they can go around prophesying, Mm -hmm. okay? They think that the Lord God, Yahweh, is talking to them, and they're like, yeah, uh, Moses and Aaron, you're Mm -hmm. not the only people who can prophesy. We can prophesy, all right? And so that's why they get swallowed up. Yeah into shield is because god's like wrong uh <laughs> and it's a lot and, of people too it's a large yeah, number it is a large number of people um and they get swallowed up in a shield and so what god does uh through moses he said he's like all right look so first take like incense mm-hmm. and then they do that test and then the budding staff test they mm-hmm. each have that's right they each have a man write their name on a staff and they put it inside the tent of meeting and the one whose staff buds is the one whose right. favor God, you know, that's right. And so Aaron's staff buds, and that's how they know that Aaron is chosen of God, just like Moses is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, continuing chapters 18 through 19, uh, just priestly duties and purification of the priests. Um, chapter 20 is kind of a sad chapter. Mm. Um you get the death of two people That's very right. close to Moses, so only Moses remains. Mm-hmm. Miriam and Aaron die, yeah, and they have to continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's time for grieving, but you know, you got to carry on the mission, mm-hmm. and their mission is to get to the land of Canaan. Um, Twenty-one. It's also kind of this is kind of sad, anyways. Um, they backtrack, so they go from backtracking to marching forward. They have mm-hmm. to go all the way back to the Red Sea. Yeah. <laughs> and then come all the way back around because one dude doesn't want to let them through. They're like, hey, man. I know. That's right. And they won't let them through, and they have to go around. Yep. They're like, Moses is like, dude, um, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Like, he didn't call this man dude. He didn't just go to a random king and be like, hey, dude. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, dude, let me through your land. And the king's like, nah, bro. And you got to go around. And so they have to go all the way back to the Red Sea. Yeah. And right. then, and even when they come back, they got to, like, go around yeah, they, they can't even go, go like around. straight in they exactly. have to go around to they get to into the land all the way around yeah uh so it's pretty crazy go read that uh the bronze serpent that's in 21 as well oh, and the bronze serpent and what's going on here is the again the people are complaining and they're getting upset so god sends a sickness these snakes oh 
if, if there's anything I want you to recommend studying, is study that. Because you know what these snakes are called? They're called seraphs. Oh, yes, that is You know right. the only seraphs. other time the word seraph is used in the Bible is when we see the seraphim yeah, that's that right. are around the throne. And that's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 6. That's the only time that word is used. So Interesting. I just want to bring that up because I'm like, the poisonous snakes were called seraphs. Yeah, and... It's, it's just interesting. And what I like about the um, the NASB, the New American mm-hmm. Standard, is it uh, it does not actually translate as venomous serpents, but as fiery serpents. Yes. So it's actually... That's what I like about the NASB because mm-hmm. it's a more a more literal translation. Yeah, and the word seraph literally means like burning mm-hmm. or fiery. Yeah. So they're called seraph seraphs. Right. Which is like basically we translate to like a fiery snake or a burning snake. Right. And even the seraphim are described as the burning ones. That's what the word means. Yep. So moving on, uh, chapters 20 through 22 through 25. Do you know who this is about? Oh, is this the talking donkey? This is the talking donkey. Oh, Whose donkey is it? Uh, Balaam's donkey, right? Balaam, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so we get three blessings and a future prophecy about who? Is it a prophecy about Jesus? It is a prophecy about oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. Uh, you find it, I think, towards the end of chapter 25. Um, and you can go look at that on your own. Uh, actually, no, it's in chapter 24. But yeah, go look at it on your own time, chapter 24. You get an oracle is what yeah. um, they would have called it. But it is a prophecy about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so... A question that gets raised about Balaam, mm-hmm. okay, because he is a legitimate priest of yeah. God, mm-hmm. of Yahweh, okay? But we know he has sin. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but do you think that we will see Balaam in heaven? I don't know. That's a good question. It is. I don't know. I, and we don't, mm-hmm. um... And I kind of like to speculate that question. I think I flip flop back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the testimony of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, is that he was evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see that later on in Numbers. Yeah. Um, and that's the testimony towards him. But it's interesting to see that, you know, somebody who uses evil, and, it, and the evil I'm talking about mm-hmm. is the Baal worship at Peor in yeah. chapter 25. Um, and it's referenced in the next chapter, 26 mm-hmm. and 27, I think, um, that he caused that to happen. So that's where we get his evil intention from because he wanted that money. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see, you know, he's a, he's essentially called an apostate by, I believe, Peter in yeah. the New Testament. So I don't think so. Um, I wouldn't I, think so either, but it's an interesting question. It is. Uh, I think we tend to do that a lot with people from the Old Testament. And I think the reason it's so interesting is because he is called a prophet mm-hmm. of God. And he is a prophet of and God. And he does prophesy. Yeah, and he prophesies things that do happen. Yeah. Um, but then we see that he's also judged by God. Mm-hmm. And his sin causes him to be judged. That's true. Do you uh, do you think we'll see the donkey in heaven? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> Some people believe that you'll see all animals in heaven. That's true. Um, I don't know. I think I'm on that side of it. You know, uh, fun fact by the way, if anybody here has ever seen Shrek, oh my goodness, yes, the Shrek. donkey from Shrek is actually based off of this scripture reference. It is that's that's the origin of that donkey, which is funny for me. Good old Shrek. <laughs> that's like a cult thing, anyways. Yeah. Uh, continuing on, <laughs> chapters twenty six and twenty seven. Um, I got to do this like an Apple commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know how they have like meet the all new next generation and i'll just use uh apple iphone oh, the, 15 this is the best iphone we have ever this created. is the best iphone we've ever <laughs> created right so we get to chapters 26 and 27 and so it's like meet the all new next gen israelites <laughs> so like all the yeah yeah this is the new generation of israelites all the old ones have been like killed off mm-hmm. and they were told they couldn't enter the promised land which is why they had to go die yep uh, so the next generation can come through and go to the promised land. Uh, but that's what we see in 26 and 27. And they actually get to inherit the land. Mm. Now getting into chapters 28 through 30, uh, it's just some offerings and some vows. Um, and then the last few chapters are actually about inheriting the land, okay. what they're supposed to do when they get there. So not too much. Um, I'd encourage you to go, just to go read them, especially that one. Um, Balaam's last prophecy. Oh yeah, like 
if you if you don't go read anything else, just go to chapters twenty through through twenty five in Numbers mm-hmm. and just read that section because I think that's one of the coolest sections uh, yeah. in Numbers. Um, so with that, um, we come to a word study, uh, and this will make sense in a second. Uh, but it's scripture, mm-hmm. and so there's as far as I know, there's no mention of the word scripture in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, I don't think so. Uh, but there is in the New Testament, mm-hmm. and it comes from the Greek word graphe, okay, which means a writing. So the first mention of this word is in Matthew 21 and verse mm-hmm. 42, and then the last mention of the word graphe is in Second Peter 3.16. Mm-hmm. Um, and some interesting things uh, when it comes to Scripture. All right, a few questions that I had to run to or run through, I should say. Um, what is scripture? Okay, that's going to be the first question. What is scripture? The second question, what gets defined as scripture in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And I'll go through these. And where does scripture come from? Okay. Um, so let's kind of talk about the first one right quick. What is scripture? What do you think scripture is? It's the word of God. The word of God. Okay, um, that's a good answer. Um, I would say that as well. The scripture, scripture is the word of God, um, specifically the Bible. Now, let me take this a little bit further, and this is going to be um, important for why I say the answer to the next couple of questions. But can the New Testament be scripture? That's a very good question. Um, I think in the way we use the word scripture, absolutely. Just the way that we use it. But I think if you want to be technical, you know, I guess not, you know, because, you know, I don't think there's really a lot of like in the New Testament, it's not like God speaking. You know, the New Testament is mostly letters or like eyewitness accounts is mostly what we see in the New Testament. It's it's a very kind of different style as opposed to the Old Testament. Yeah, I'd be very careful. Um, When I was doing my Old Old Testament, my Christian theology class at Mm -hmm. Southeastern, uh, we had to talk about the doctrine of Scripture. Yeah. And this is one of the questions that came up. What gets defined as Scripture in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And that's why I asked that question, can the New Testament be Scripture? Uh, because what Jesus defines Scripture as in Luke 24, mm-hmm. verse 44, is that it's law, prophets, and psalms. Yeah. So there's only three criteria there, law, prophet, and psalms for Scripture. Mm-hmm. And that's... What I would say is scripture. You know, I mean, obviously we're going to refer to the Bible as scripture. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I think if we're, if we want to be even more biblical, mm-hmm. then we refer to scripture as law, prophets, and Psalms like Christ did. Yeah. Um, and that kind of plays a big part into the next question where does scripture come from? Mm. And who, so where does scripture come from? It comes from God. It comes from God, right. And we see that uh, in Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen mm-hmm. that all Scripture is given inspiration by God. It's God breathed, mm-hmm. so it comes directly from Him. Uh, now, with that, um, and something I want to mention right quick, going back to graphe, that's where we get our word graph from. Mm-hmm. Graphe and grapho, I believe it is, uh, meaning grapho meaning to write, graphe meaning a writing. Mm-hmm. But we get graph, graphite, and graphic. So, mm-hmm. just talking about like a picture or a painting or something like that. Just interesting point. Uh, but to get back to what we were talking about, where does Scripture come from? Second Timothy, God-inspired, right? Mm-hmm. So there's quite a few different views on the inspiration of Scripture. Um, as a Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on the verbal plenary view. So verbal plenary view. Um, it means that the entire, well, not the entirety, so I've already like misquoted <laughs> Um, that only the original manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Bible that you have at your house, the Bible you have at your, on your phone, that is not the original manuscript. I mean, like, if we're talking about, well, let's just say Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're talking about the book of Matthew, it's the original mm-hmm. book of Matthew that was written literally by Matthew. Yeah. Or the original uh, parchment paper that Paul wrote book of Ephesians on mm-hmm. like that'd be an example of an original manuscript okay so the original manuscripts are inerrant mm-hmm. and infallible and say exactly what God intended 
Yes. I would hold to that view very strongly. Now, there's also the verbal plenary preservation, mm-hmm. which means that everything that applies to the original manuscripts app- applies to the Bible that we have now. Mm-hmm. So it's inerrant. It's infallible, meaning there's no error in it, meaning yeah. there's no false, falsehood, falsity. There's nothing wrong being said in it, right? And that it still says what God intended it to say. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I think... Uh, the question becomes, does the Bible contain error? And what would you say to that? Well, yes and no. Okay, in what know? way does it contain error? Because some of our translations have things that have been added. Like, for example, the King James. You know, there's a lot of things that the King James translates well and does a good job with, but the King James adds a lot to the Bible. And obviously it's not always wrong. Sometimes they're pulling, like, for example, in the Gospels, they'll pull something from one Gospel and put it in the other just to make a match up together, you know, but the King James does add a lot to the scripture that wasn't there in the original. Yeah. And in what ways is it not an error or does it not contain error? Well, cause again, it's the word of God, you know, it's not going to have errors again. The original manuscripts didn't have those errors, you know, and we would hold, you know, that most of these ones afterwards that they're from those original manuscripts. Yeah. So I would agree with that. And that's where I'm going with this, is that the Bible contains linguistic error, Mm -hmm. meaning error uh, in translation, whether that's because, or error in writing, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's because, you know, when it's being copied, um, somebody misheard something, Mm -hmm. and so they miswrote, um, or, you know, the way we translated a word Mm -hmm. uh, isn't right. Like, let's go back to the fiery serpents. Yeah. That's, okay. a, that's one right there. So the New American Standard translates the seraphim mm-hmm. or seraph. Seraph, yeah. Th- they, it translates that word to fiery serpents. Mm-hmm. And some might translate to venomous snakes, poisonous mm-hmm. snakes. It might translate to something else. So you already see that linguistic discrepancy. Yeah. And that is that an issue? No. Because you the truth of the matter is still there. Mm-hmm. The truth is still there. That's what matters. If the understanding of what is trying to be said is still there. Yeah. And the meaning has not changed. Exactly. That's what we're looking for. And even if they change little things, like, for example, the NASB recently was changed. Right. You know, there's a 1995 version, but a couple of years ago, I don't remember. 2020. What, 2020 version. 2020. You know, they recopyrighted it and they've changed a lot. You know, they didn't yeah. change the meanings. Exactly. Obviously, but... Uh, what were some of the changes? I feel like they might have changed like where it said men, where it was actually yeah. like men and women is technically what it says. So, so they just changed it to that. Yeah, that's the biggest one that the mm-hmm. NASB changed yeah. um, from the 95 to the 2020 mm-hmm. was that instead of saying men, uh, because like Paul used the word doulos, mm-hmm. where it refers to brothers and sisters is, techni- is the technical meaning. Yeah. Um, that's what they changed. Mm-hmm. And it was enough of a change to institute a new edition yeah. of the NASB. Yeah. Or like they redid like numbers right. that are like written out to like be actual numbers. Exactly. Stuff like that. Yeah. So there's no error in that. That's not error. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when people try to come for that, um, you know, you'll meet a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, the Bible contains error. Just look at what it says here. Mm-hmm. There's contradictions here and there. And, you know, you really have to study each passage, mm-hmm. okay? And you don't take, like, uh, we'll just use Numbers 34 since I'm still open in, in Numbers, but you don't take Numbers 34 verses 1 through, uh, let's just say, 13 and put that under a microscope mm. while neglecting the rest of chapter 34. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And even even still, you don't do it while neglecting chapters 30 through 35. Mm-hmm or the rest of the book of Numbers, because it's all in context. Mm -hmm. You have to read each part in context. So, you know, this is all hermeneutics. Um, And it's just all to say that the Bible doesn't contain error. Um, It might seem like there's contradictions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, Um, but there's not, and we have to reconcile what each passage is saying on its own. Uh, So it's just something we have to work through. So the Bible and... Something I want to add, right? And this is very important to get out of the way. And this is this might sound a little bit harsh, but I think we need to hear it a lot of times. But 
the Bible's truth and integrity do not rely on our belief in it or in God. Mm-hmm. They stand true on their own, both God and the Bible. Okay? So it doesn't matter if you believe that the Bible is true or not. It doesn't matter if I believe that it's true or not. It is true because God is true. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't need us to believe in it to be true. Right? Just like we don't need to believe that gravity exists for there to be gravity. Mm-hmm. Okay? We don't need to believe that Oakview Baptist Church building exists because it exists. Mm-hmm. It, it exists on its own outside of our believing it or not believing it. Yeah. The same with God and the same with the truth of the Bible. Okay. Um, so how does this relate to justification? Uh, well, if scripture is law, prophets, and Psalms, then what does Jesus do with those? Or what did he do with those? He fulfills them. He fulfills them. Exactly. And that is specifically what Jesus says. He came to fulfill mm-hmm. the law and prophets. He says that in Luke 24, I believe it's the next verse, 45. Yeah. Uh, that he came to fulfill the law, prophet, and the Psalms. Okay. Um, and some, actually, I think it's Matthew five seventeen is that reference. And then another reference, Romans 10, 4, and then Romans 3 and 31 are all references mm-hmm. to he came to fulfill. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is just take a second um, to look at some fulfilled scriptures. And okay. these are all ones we have already talked about. Okay. So the law of sacrifice and atonement. Mm-hmm. We talked about that two weeks ago in Leviticus chapter 16. Okay, Jesus died once and for all. Mm-hmm. No ifs, ands, or buts. Nothing more to say about it. Yeah. Uh, prophecy. Uh, we'll go back to Genesis 49, so mm-hmm. week two. Uh, Judah's kingdom would rule forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, sp- the specific promise is that the scepter would not leave his hand. Mm-hmm. And how do we see that fulfilled through Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Okay, and then Psalm 118. Uh, do you know what Psalm this is? Not off the top of my head. I probably do once it's read. It is. It. Yeah, it's the rejected stone, the cornerstone. That's right, yeah. Uh, so, and how was Jesus rejected? Well, he was rejected as God and Messiah. Mm-hmm. And for that, he was called a blasphemer mm-hmm. and killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are just a few ways to, um, you know, see that Scripture has been fulfilled by Jesus and that he did fulfill it. Um, what I would, you know, encourage you to do, and we'll have this in a Q&A, Mm-hmm. Um, is find instances, you know, in the Old Testament of either a law, a prophecy, or a psalm that specifically mentions Christ. Yeah. And then go to the New Testament and find where that's fulfilled or will be fulfilled. Uh, so that's the Q&A for this week. How did Jesus fulfill a law, prophet, or prophecy, a law, prophecy, or psalm mm-hmm. besides the ones already mentioned? So go and find one of those. Any closing thoughts? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, just I would recommend reading through the scripture. I mean, how are you going to understand scripture if you don't read it? Right. And I think that goes into the next thing. You know, how are we going to understand scripture if we're not? It kind of goes into, the, you know, mm-hmm. how do they believe if they haven't heard? Yeah. You know, you don't read scripture. You don't understand scripture without reading it and being taught how to read it and study it. Obviously, yeah. And a big part of that is going to come from God. Yeah. You know, he is the one who enlightens. Mm -hmm. He's the one who gives understanding. And I think that's what we have to remember, is that understanding is not coming from ourselves, but Mm -hmm. coming from the Spirit Mm -hmm. and coming from that um, dwelling of the Spirit. And, you know, talking about the Spirit dwelling us, um, there is a passage in Numbers that I highlighted. And, man, oh, yeah, it was in chapter, chapter 11 verses 25 through 30. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some people had the Holy Spirit, like it literally says the Spirit descended upon them. Oh, yeah. And some of the other Israelites, um, they're like, why are these men still prophesying? Like, you need to go to, (laughs) they go to Moses and they're like, you need to tell them to stop. And Moses is like, why are you telling me? Like, they they can do it. Those Spirit's on them, right? (laughs) So it's just kind of funny, but it reminded me of that, um, you know, that understanding uh, law, Mm-hmm. understanding prophecy and psalm, which Jesus defines as scripture, um, only comes through the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. And I mean, God, I mean, Jesus is the light of the world. He brings light to every man. Mm-hmm. You know, he enlightens everybody. You know, this isn't Buddhism. 
No. You know, Buddhism is like we're searching for enlightenment. Right. All we have to do is be less ignorant, learn right. more, gain more knowledge and wisdom, and we will be enlightened. You know, God's like, no, I am the one who enlightens. Just come to me and you'll be enlightened. You know? Exactly. Uh, yeah, so go read Numbers. Um, there's actually quite a few spots in there that I would say have to deal with Christ. <laughs> quite a few. Quite a few. Jesus himself references some of them. I know. Has anybody ever That's read? That's why I said quite a few. Has anybody ever read John chapter 3? Because Jesus directly references the bronze serpent in John chapter 3. He does. So go check them out. Um, and then come back to the Q&A or yeah. post a comment on YouTube yeah. uh, with what you find. And then we'll see you next week. Yeah. Dude, if you haven't read Numbers, read Numbers because it is fire. It is like it is actually a really good book. Really, really good. Like, don't get intimidated by the census. A right. lot of people get intimidated by the census. Don't get intimidated by that. That's only a small part of what the book actually is. There's mm-hmm. a lot that happens, and some of it is pretty crazy. Yeah, you know, it's like, like a whole plague. Is, I didn't talk about this, but a mm-hmm. whole plague is stopped by Aaron standing in the midst of the people. With yeah, it's, it's pretty it's interesting. Insane. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. So uh, let's go ahead, uh, throw those plugs because we have to. Oh yeah, the plugs. Yeah, I don't want to forget those. Uh, so uh, if you guys obviously follow us on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell. Uh, we'll be on YouTube every Thursday, uh, as well as episodes that come out every Monday on Spotify and Apple Music. I'm sorry, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. My bad. And RSS. And RSS, yeah. It's our hosting platform. Uh, other than that, there's Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Upper Room Discourse. Uh, again, you don't have to pay to be a member. You can just go under be a member. You can see the verses that we bring up in our reviews and in our stuff. The verses, they'll all be there. Uh, but if you do decide to pay and become a paid member, there are there will be special perks. Yeah, you can see notes and stuff. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I think that's it. Uh, I do have a Spotify playlist, which should be linked with our Spotify uh, there with our podcast. You should see it where all the songs yeah. that we review appear there. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, and then don't forget to check out all the weeks prior if you haven't true. already. So if you're just if you're just now tuning in, I hate to say this at the end of the episode, <laughs> but go check out the last uh, five weeks. Yeah, you uh, missed out. I had one more thing in my agenda to mention that I needed to mention today, and I don't know what it is. And I'm like, I guess we'll get it next week. <laughs> yeah, you'll remember it later. <laughs> I guess I didn't write it down, which I'm upset about. But there was something important that I wanted to bring up. That's how I feel every week. Yeah. Doing these podcasts. There's something like I fail to mention. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, we've been rambling for a while here now. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, any? Also, let us know what you think uh, the next week's episode will be about. That's true. That's our... That's right. We asked that at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think the next episode will be? All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. See ya. You have reached the end of the record. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our YouTube and also find us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify.